first off, I guess I should introduce you, Jesus. Uh, so uh, don't you know. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't introduce uh, me. Jay, I can't like a keep, you can't be completely anonymous on this. And <laughs> it's going to make no sense because the minute someone hears your voice, they're going to be like, oh, it's Jay. Like, <laughs> but it's better that way. It's not, it's confusing. <laughs> That's why it's better that way. <laughs> it's, it's not confusing in a good way. It's confusing in a WWE book. <laughs> I really wanted to have my first guest be one of my best friends uh, someone who I could count on to walk me through the process of recording a non-face-to-face uh, podcast with. Uh, it's none other than the uh, man behind Bull Art, uh, one of the uh, pillars in the in the Milwaukee experimental music fa- uh, community for a long time, uh, the now uh, somewhat mysterious uh, but nevertheless beloved Jay Linsky. Jay, welcome to this podcast. Hello, my friend. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like I was saying, like, uh, you know, I, tr- I tr- as you would know specifically that I'm a really big fan of the Virtual Pros podcast uh, about pro wrestling. And uh, one of the guys on that podcast does a side podcast with another guy, I think from Chicago, where they kind of uh, look at an a couple albums each. So like they'll do a thing where it's like, here's an album I really like. Here's an album I've never really heard. Uh, and, and they kind of like uh, compare notes. And I thought that would be pretty cool for noise because uh, so many of us have re- uh, records or tapes or whatever that we think are like crucial or, or critical to our uh, uh, maybe, maybe how we formed our ideas about what kind of noise we wanted to make or whatever, just stuff we like. And then, a lot of us come from different uh, non-noise musical backgrounds as well, so I thought it'd be a neat way to uh, expose everyone to, to to new sounds and new ideas, and, and again, just another way to keep everyone engaged with the podcast. So, um, I guess I can go ahead and give you my my two picks, and I'm going to start with Shoot. the noise one give first. Give it to me. So the first noise release, I only picked uh, one noise release and one non-noise release. I don't know if you picked multiple things. No, I just did. I just did one and one just because I know this is a, you know, this is your first one that you're doing, and you know we're not going to overwhelm ourselves. And it's nice, you know, one noise, one not noise. So agreed, agreed. So my noise pick is a tape that when I heard it, uh, I heard it early on into my noise fandom, I, I guess, and. Immediately, I was like, fuck, I want to sound exactly like this tape. And I've more or less stuck with that uh, throughout throughout the years. Uh, and that's Skin Graft's Depression Paralysis. It's a C28 that came out on Nurse Etiquette. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of the year. Wyatt gave it to me at one of the first uh, noise shows that I was at in Cleveland. So um, it's just perfect. It's the perfect Midwest creeper harsh vibe but it's got a lot of atmosphere uh it it, the 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 name is perfect because it's it's got like this real paranoid uh uh like like makes you clinch up when you're listening to it It makes you kind of stressed out and uh i i like i said the minute i heard it i was like this is exactly what i want to do with the noise that i'm making and i've i've been pretty much chasing that ever since so uh, that was my choice for a noise record. How about you? That's delightful. Good old skin graft. 
Um, so I went a little bit different with my picks. So um, pretty much, and I'm just going to explain this first. So um, dry an explanation. I apologize. But um, so I have kind of a interesting relationship with noise. Um, you know, obviously I got back into it or I got into it, I should say. I don't know why I said back into it, but I got into it about... 2006 and like it's all like kind of and i was thinking about releases and whatever and i and this doesn't really surprise me but uh all my fondest like noise uh memories of like you know particular sounds or whatever were things that i experienced live so Mm -hmm. i admit i'm kind of really terrible at listening to the releases that i've gotten I have made a great effort, and Roman knows this, I've made a great effort over the past year or so to go through all the releases I have and actually listen to them because I haven't had the means to really listen to them until about a year and a half ago. So um, so it's kind of weird just because for noise releases, I don't have all that many that, you know, stick out like that were, like, influential early on. So, um I approach it a bit differently. So I have an album right here. This is something that uh, an acquaintance and a friend, I haven't seen him in a while, so, um, but every time I see him, it's always great to see him. Um, but a while back, uh, this man put out a album that was just purely amazing, and it's noise. It's got a little bit of, like, kind of, black metal tinge to it even though i'm not the biggest black metal listener even though i'm sure most people assume that i am but i think this release is awesome and that would be torture calmer uh i'm gonna i'm gonna really butcher the pronunciation of this avec la soyeur nos entrons au regne de la terreur i'm i'm don't speak french i'm sorry um but yeah this album is Fucking amazing. It came out on, uh, I believe, Iron Lung. Um, yeah. On vinyl. Great album. It's so good. Um, and this is some someone, like, for years and years, I would talk to him and just be like, where, how far along are you? And he's like, oh, I got, you know, I still got some more to record. And then, you know, he's like, I finished. I still work on the art. And this was like, this took like four or five years. Um Maybe a little bit parallels with myself uh, unconsciously, but just because I know there's people that do the same shit with me. But uh, yeah, this album is fucking great. Awesome. I'm I'm familiar with this album, but I haven't listened to it in a really long time, and I'm looking forward to listening to it again, giving it a real deep dive. And uh, because you because you have some like personal some personal connection to this record, I'm looking forward to asking some questions because I do remember when I listened to it, there were parts where I was like, "How the fuck did he do this?" So I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I I see um, what kind of insights I can provide on that. Um, but yeah, the album is just great. It's so good. Tight, sweet, and I'm pretty sure I have it here, so I don't have to go digging through it. And I don't have to hit you up for a for a download code or some of some sorts. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's long out of press. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and the same with that the the depression paralysis. Uh, you know, I easily to find. 
you know, it's, it's a bummer <laughs> because I, I'd, I'd love to like be like, I'd love to be able to like promote these people as we are like talking their releases, but you know, noise is uh noise has a real scarcity economy. So um, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to hear these albums and you can't track them down, you know, hit us up or hit me up. All right. So my non noise album, is it Morrissey or is it hardcore? My dude, it is neither Morrissey nor hardcore. Who are you? <laughs> I told you I was going to throw you a bit of a curveball. God damn it, because I'm not throwing you a curveball at all. It's very obvious. As you know, I had a strange upbringing and very yes. little secular music got in. Uh, and one of the things that did get in was this particular album and because I heard it when I was really young and I never really thought about it until I was a little older. I was a teenager when I, I heard uh, the song on, I believe, uh, actually, I know exactly what it was. It was a props BMX video magazine cassette Ooh. that I think some, some dude I went to high school with had. And uh, I had influence. Like, yeah, clearly I, I can't, I, God, I can't, now I'm trying to remember how I even got a hold of the VHS. Cause it was after I had gone through my like really short BMX phase. I think I just wanted, I think I just knew that like they always had good music and I, I wanted to watch, like I wanted to watch it and enjoy the music, not, not, uh, not, you know, break my fucking shins trying to do it myself. Uh, but I heard one of the songs from this album again and I was like, fuck, I love this, but they didn't credit anything. So I had no idea what it was. And I was, I was like, man, I love this song, but I don't know it. And then years later, uh, I was at a mall and it came over the PA and I ran into every store asking if anyone knew what the song playing out, outside was. And nice. lo and behold, like some random older white lady working at like i think it was like uh jc penny knew 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 what the song was and told me and then i never forgot and so i went back and i i got the album and i it's one of my favorite albums of all time uh you're not gonna believe this but my choice for the non-noise album is the doobie brothers minute by minute yeah I have that album. Not, not that on record, whole thing but. glitched out. <laughs> so this might be the only podcast where all the glitches work because it's noise podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I actually have that album in my car. So Fuck yeah. this will be perfect. I already have it. Um, I'll, I'll save my explanations of how I have this and, you know, all that stuff for afterwards um i only listened to it like once or twice after i got it obviously i got it because you know i i'm sure i know what song it is <laughs> yeah i'm sure you do oh yeah what a fool believes. dude michael mcdonald voice so of good. angel so good yeah i'm pumped to listen to that <laughs> um, I'll, I'll hold off on all other comments on that though, until we, uh, listen through and discuss shit. So thick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So hit, hit me with what you, what you decided to, uh, Oh yeah. To I still got to do me. that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess since you gave such a giant backstory on yours, I will give one on mine. So I don't know if people know this or not, but, um, I, don't people well, um, and especially so in high school. I, I'm like a thousand times better now, uh, 
even though now I'm like kind of in isolation, whatever, but, uh, high school completely worthless at it. Um, I probably, probably wasn't until like halfway through high school where I started like kind of getting, being like bummed on a regular basis and everything. And, um, I, I was in, in high school, like, you know, I could think about a lot of people in high school, you know, they kind of fell into these, like, kind of, I feel like a lot of people fell into one of a couple categories where it's like, you know, you got all your, like, hardcore kids or your jocks and preps or, you know, if we're going to go, like, the music stuff, like I mentioned, hardcore kids or, like, skater kids, pop punk kids, those classic rock kids that just wear whatever, you know, uh, so in high school, like I started off kind of in that classic rock realm, but then I heard like, I got really into like some music that probably, um, is weird for me to, or weird for anyone in high school to discover probably normal now, but back then, you know, not really normal. So one of those things, like one of the less weird things was one of that I got really into is like just really heavy and slow. I don't even want to call it metal because I feel a lot of it isn't really metal. I more so call it like, like heavy rock. I, that's the best really I can describe it. Um, but it was probably my senior or junior or senior year of high school. Um, there was one band when I'd go check out new bands and buy CDs at the record store or go to the library or whatever, you know, I'd listen to this, something. If it didn't connect with me, I'd give it another chance at some point, just in case if I got like an album that didn't connect. So I bought this one album by a band, one of these heavy bands, and it didn't connect with me. I didn't understand it at all. A few months later, I got another albums of theirs which totally clicked. I'm like, yeah, this album is real good. And I listened to a bunch and a bunch and a bunch and a bunch. And then once I got tired of listening to out that album, after like a couple of months, I went back to that original album that I got. And like, it pretty much just like blew my mind and it just like fucked me up real good. And since then it's been my favorite album ever. Um, I know very few people really like this band. I don't care, obviously. But what I picked for you is Courtesy and Goodwill Toward Men by Harvey Milk. Wow. I've I've heard of Harvey Milk, uh, but I've I've never listened to this album. So I have no I no initial response. Like no no reaction rather. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm completely uh un unfamiliar with with the band besides the name you know i've i've seen the name before yeah and, well know. yeah, yeah it, i i think it's interesting because like yeah like i've the the people that i know that like that that band have have often said kind of a similar thing about it. it's like i don't really want to call it metal or like you know like post metal or whatever it's something kind of outside of those realms i i feel that what they've done over their like kind of two separate like time periods of being a band like um especially like especially with this album because this album is like their 
opus or something. Like, I don't know if that's what they were intending to, but, you know, it's just like they're they're a band that were way ahead of their time. And I'm in some ways not sure if we're there yet. It's pretty good. Um, Like the album before it, uh, which has a very long name. And let's see if I can say it in one take. My love is higher than your assessment of, or fuck, I forget. <laughs> it's it's uh, my love. Um, you look up the title; it's long. Um, but like that album's really good. It's um, not as like a cohesive unit because like courtesy is definitely like you listen to it. It sounds like it's like one thing that's just strung together, and it's like flows real well. My love is really good, and. Um, there's some songs on there that I love a lot, like Anvil Will Fall and FSTP, or those two songs are fucking great songs, but it doesn't have, like, courtesy is just, like, devastating. Hmm. Yeah. I'll say more comments on it for later. Cool. Because I All can right. talk about it for a long time, probably. Sick. That's good. That's what that's what we want. So uh, right here is where we're going to take a intermission that for us will be several days for us to listen to and absorb uh, our choices or our picks and then we'll pick back up with the recording all right shall we discuss 90 days later these uh, albums <laughs> what do you mean it's uh here hang on let me pull Sorry, up my it's, a, it's 103 I, days uh, I think, let me exactly. pull up my notes one second. Um, yeah, what do you mean? Uh, it's only like six days later. It's like the 19th of February. It's definitely like <laughs> blizzarding outside. Um, I'm yeah. definitely not wearing shorts with the window open or anything. And, you know, <laughs> definitely it's got awful outside. Yeah, it's so cold. So cold. I'm not, I'm not sweating in this fucking house that doesn't have air conditioning. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Uh, so speaking of idiots, we should just uh, plow right through this. Which which album should we start with? I feel like maybe we should uh should we maybe do a noise thing first because technically this is a noise podcast. That would make sense, I suppose. Yeah. Let's start with uh I gave you Skin Graft Depression Paralysis. Yes. Which was put out on Nurse Etiquette uh many years ago. It's uh not readily available, but I am uh, happy to provide anyone with the files. I'm uh trying to convince Wyatt to just start a band camp so that he could just live off the royalties of his music from everyone who wants to rip him off, uh, style wise, including myself. Um, so it was one of the first skin graft tapes that, that I got a hold of, uh, when I was, when I was starting to get more into, to noise as, as like a deep dive, as like a commitment to my life, which, you know, 10 years later, I wish I had just bailed on it. But, um, I remember when I when I heard it, I was like, holy fuck, this guy who makes this, he hasn't seen sunlight in years. He might not even have like a window in his room. Uh, it's clearly just made in a basement and like it's just the grimiest, creepiest, most fucked up thing. Got one of those center apartments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which like, you know, is is a pretty good like description of a lot of skin graft output. Which is cr- crazy when you like actually know you know you get to know the man you realize like you know he's he's actually like a wonderful human being and, and a shining example of one, but uh, yeah like man I I just remember I I think I played the A side of that tape like four or five times before I even flipped to the B side. 
there's just so much going on that it's it to me it's like the definitive skin graft sound is is encompassed in that tape uh what did you, what did you think of it it was your first time hearing it yeah it was my first time so just question just because actually i don't know this to be honest um when did Wyatt start doing skin graft Ooh, that's a good question um I believe that skin graft started in 06. I can get you an answer here. Let me uh let me consult the old discogs, which I just happen to have pulled up so that I could get some information about old Harvey Milk. So um I think the very first skin graft stuff was probably in two thousand and six. Yeah. So the first thing that came out was a was a CDR called Alcohol in two thousand six. Yeah. Um, I know that there's like a couple things before that uh, that are just like his like stuff as Wyatt Howland. I know there's like a tape I have somewhere sitting around here. I think it's called Hell. It might just be called Hell. And I think that he said that was like uh, like that came together over a number of years. Like that was like a what would you call it? Like a he had recorded stuff like bits and pieces for years and then like finally just like sat down and put it all together and hell was was what came out yeah so yeah so 2006 and then um i think that depression paralysis came out in 2009 yeah Um, i was looking up on discogs when it came out because honestly like i listened to this i was i thought this would have been a little bit closer to mid 2000s um i didn't realize it was as late as 2009 sounds like something i would have heard like as i was first kind of getting into noise a little bit because i got into it about 2006 i think my first noise show was like in april of 2006 maybe okay or or actually no no my first noise show was april of 2007 but you know i was kind of aware of it a little bit beforehand so sure yeah i think i had you know aside from lockweld and psy warfare because of integrity splits you know i was sort of aware of noise music for a long time before I actually paid any attention to it, you know, which was probably, uh, it's, I would say, I guess it was probably 2007, 2008 before I, I started actually paying attention. And then, you know, I didn't do anything with noise. I didn't even really become involved actively with, with noise stuff until, uh, I moved back to Cleveland and that would have been, I guess that would have been the, the beginning of, um, 2008, 2009. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, honestly, I thought it was like kind of more, for lack of better terms, chill than I was expecting. Just because I know, like, I know why it's kind of harsh sensibilities go across the spectrum. But, like, mm-hmm. in my head, I know usually when I think of Wyatt, I just think of, like, a little bit more spastic. Not that every set that I've seen of his is spastic or something, but, you know, a lot of times it's more controlled. But this definitely sounds a little bit more, like, controlled in some ways, like, a little bit. It's not all full force or going harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always use the word creeping. It kind of, like, creeps and, like, it doesn't meander, but it, like, it's very restrained, but in, like, a really unsettling way. Yeah, definitely not a punch someone in the face, now we're all raising fists for some reason <laughs> type of thing. Right, yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit different than that. It's it's definitely the anthem of, like, living on the east side of Cleveland in, like, a really shitty building, which is definitely the experience where that tape comes from. Yeah, there's, like, a bunch of, like, really sweet, like, kind of, like, sputtery power starvish type sounds. I mm-hmm. really like those and maybe not like not overdo it but you know there's a time and a place for those sounds and i really like how that sounds um the first side 
the whole side like kind of was like it was almost on the brink of exploding into like wall or just a full frontal noise blast or something but it just like never quite gets there which was yeah. pretty sweet there's also there's that vocal sample in there which um i'm not very good at uh comprehension but i swore there's one point where the sample said paper rings his ass which i don't know what that means <laughs> but i mean that's uh i'll try my best to fact check that for you <laughs> i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna guarantee you that's not what was said but uh, I was I rewound it once. I'm like, they say paper rings his ass. Uh, paper, <laughs> paper rings the ass. Yeah, um, you know that side also has that classic one hit noise rhythm. We all know that classic <laughs> type of thing oh, yeah, that just repeats. Yeah, yeah. Such a good. I don't know why like so many of us do that, but it just is so correct. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why. Because if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it kind of interesting because it like almost like I said, it like kind of builds up and it gets to a point where it just about breaks up and then it just like dies kind of quickly. And then it like it just randomly cuts and that side ends. Right. And then like the other side, there's like the pulsating sound at the start of it almost kind of sounds like this really sick rhythm almost like it's still a little random. But like I was definitely just like bobbing my head to like rhythm that was made by the sound. Right. Hoping someone samples that at some point get like 23 on the hot 100. <laughs> I wonder if like David's I know he's sampled skin graph stuff before. I wonder if he's ever thought of sampling that one. It's a it's a good rhythm. It's almost like a straight up rhythm, but it's just off. But it's awesome regardless. Yeah, totally. Another thing that I really liked on that set like a little bit later on there's just like a random like hit that happens and it just like slowly like you could tell that the way that he recorded it, the volume was just at the right point where like when he hit some metal or something, hit it and then it just like slowly like gets to like feedback from mm -hmm. that. I love that we're right on the edge of just going wild with feedback, but it's just enough where it just kind of like, you know. Yeah. It just yeah, slowly totally. grows like that. That was definitely not the pitch of that feedback or whatever, but it was pretty sweet. Yeah. There's some nice moments where it like beefs up a little bit too. So all in all, what's your, your final thoughts on skin graft depression paralysis? I enjoyed it. I know personally, and this is not so much thing of the release, but you know, I mentioned before how like most of my memories and whatever of noise is like live stuff. Recorded noise is not really kind of what I think about with noise in general. I'm guessing I'd maybe listen to this another time, but you know. I'm probably not going to go back and listen to it a whole bunch. But then again, like when I went through all my tapes a while back, I most of them I've only listened to once. And that's just because I think there's only so much harsh noise that you can listen to, or at least for me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Yeah. I'm sure you don't know what <laughs> I'm talking about, but you know, that's just my own personal tastes, but it is good. Awesome. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I said, like it was something early on that really inspired me. And it made me want to to make noise. So, and anyone who knows me knows that Skin Graft is, you know, my all-time favorite and, you know, why it's uh, one of my closest friends and one of my favorite people on the planet. So, yeah. Okay, so I guess I'll talk about the next one. And I think I'm going to dive right in to, to the big one of the night for me, which was the one that you gave me for uh, Harvey Milk. Ah, uh, the music choice. Uh, yeah, the, the music choice, if you will. Um, so I had heard the name before. You know, I had friends that like Harvey Milk. And, like, honestly, when you said, like, we're going to do this uh, one courtesy and goodwill towards men, uh, I looked up the album art, and I was like, 
I think that's Jay's shirt. That is, which I've unfortunately <laughs> lost ages ago. Oh, man. Like, I haven't had it for, like, four years or something. I feel like, I, I, feel like something. I saw you wear it a lot. So I was like, oh, that's Jay's shirt. <laughs> yeah. I did wear it a lot. I haven't had it in, like, four years, though. Oh, I wish I had that shirt. Beautiful shirt. The artwork is awesome on that. Yeah, the artwork is is amazing. It's Real funny fitting. because like if I saw that just the artwork and like just the album title with like no like no Harvey Milk at the top, I would be like, oh, that's a sick neo folk record. <laughs> like, you know, it kind of looks like art oh, that would no. be on like a Blood Axis album or something. So, so the people that I had known before you that liked this band or you know wear their shirts or whatever would come up in a conversation. We're all kind of like stoner metal people, you know, like just kind of people that listen to fucking Mastodon and, yeah. you know, shit along those lines, Baroness or whatever. Yeah. So I, w- I was going into this being like, this is going to be like a, you know, this is going to be like kind of a drudge for me because I don't really uh, enjoy that form of music. Although the two examples I just gave, I don't, I don't really care for Mastodon, but I actually do like Baroness mainly because their one guitar player looks like fucking Shawn Michaels. And like when he's fucking rocking out and he's like stomping his foot, I'm like, oh shit, is he going to super kick the other guy? You know, I, I don't, I don't like a lot of that because from hardcore and harsh noise, I have no patience. You know, I can't make it through like an eight minute song, generally speaking, unless it's like, you know, just a blast of harsh noise. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the slowness tends to affect me. Like I really wish I could get into the Melvins, but like I've never gotten into the Melvins. I, I do like Carp and, and Big Business, though, so... Those are both I, I my jams. Carp, the only band that almost all my friends can agree on. Interesting. Yeah, huh. it's for whatever reason, it's the one. I guess, or maybe, like, someone's like, yeah, Thin Lizzy or something like that. But even right. then, I know some people that will debate Thin Lizzy, too, if those people are wrong. But yes, they, yes they Carp are. is an awesome band. So, yeah, so, like, my context for the band was, like, people that like stoner metal and, and stuff like that, and... Jay, who wears the shirt a lot. And, you know, you like a pretty diverse range of music. So, like, it wasn't like a thing where I was like, oh, you know, like, I I don't see Jay as like a stoner metal dude. But at the same time, I was like, man, he really likes Harvey Milk. And that seems like a little... Like, I don't know. Like, in my mind, before I'd ever heard the band, I had already made these, like, judgments. And, like, I kind of was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, that doesn't really seem like, like Jay's zone. But then I put this record on and I listened to it. And it makes perfect, it makes like total sense. Like, of course, this is one of your favorite records of all time. This is like a fucking tortured album of like, to me, like, it's not like stoner metal or doomy or like anything like that at all. Like, it's, you know, like doom in a different sense. But like, I would never, like, I would never say that this record was like a stoner metal record. Like, if someone was like listing those bands that we were just saying, I wouldn't necessarily go like, oh, well, you'll love Harvey Milk. Like, honestly, like. I would recommend Harvey Milk to people that like weird quicksand, post-hardcore, and, like, sad stuff. So, you know, like, you know, at the beginning of it, uh, you know, like, first off, I'm big on piano intros to albums for some reason. Oh, it's got a, it's got you, a good one. You put a piano at the beginning of a record, I automatically think the record's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm just an idiot. Like I, I like I, I. You can like trick me really easily by like making me think. Like it's just like some people think like if you have an English accent, you're smart. Like it, you put a piano in front of your like album and be like, oh damn, this is the opus. Yeah. You know the intro of that first track is is really long, and I'm not like accustomed to that kind of like on and off build that it has, or like yeah. the space that's in in between like the notes or whatever. 
you know, so it took a minute for me to like kind of get accustomed to that pacing. And like I said, I didn't really know anything about this band going in. So the minute that I heard this dude's fucking sad voice, I was shocked. I was like, what What the fuck? Like, he's not like a guttural guy, you know, like he's like scratchy, depressed man. <laughs> scratchy, <laughs> so, depressed. Um. <laughs> Like, I just had no, I had no idea that this was like a sad man singing band. Like, it's so, and like, it's great because it's so much more bleak. Like, it sounds so much more hopeless, you know, like. So before I let you continue, so maybe for some more context of maybe why some of those other people like Harvey Milk. So Harvey Milk's interesting because they have kind of three different sides to them. So the first side, which is the one that you were just exposed to, is the side that like, it's just like incredibly bleak and heavy. They got these like really bare, clean parts, and it's like both incredibly beautiful but incredibly ugly at the same time. And it's like depressing and bittersweet sounding and everything. There's that side of Harvey Milk, and then there's a side of where it's more just like weirdo mid-pace, like mathy noise rock punk. I don't know how to really describe it, but a lot of stuff on the album before that one. Uh, uh, my love is higher than your assessment than what my love could be. It's definitely a little bit more like that, even though it, that album has a few songs that are definitely more on the bummer heavy side. And then the third side is they really like ZZ Top. <laughs> so the album Sick. after this, The Pleaser, is just a straight up bluesy rock rager. Huh. Yeah, they got these three sides. You kind of, if you were to listen to their discography, on some albums, like later on, you could see them like kind of go in and out of those different styles that they do. But Courtesy is definitely like the pinnacle one for that like ugly and beautiful, depressing sound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really couldn't figure out a way to like pigeonhole this album. The note I wrote during the second song, Brown Water, was this is wild. Why did I think this band was a stoner metal band? They're like a sad, crustier, heavy post-hardcore band with Tom Waits yelling. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because like um, to me, like I kind of put Harry Milk as a sludge band kind of. But so when I was in high school and ever like what I saw as sludge was a little bit different than what like people that like sludge actually see sludge. Cause you know, you say sludge and everyone's like, Oh yeah, I hate God and weed eater, like bands like that. Probably the closest to sludge that we'd probably agree on is maybe like Melvin's, but like, you know, it was like Thrones and Carp and big business and to a degree like high on fire almost like that's kind of what i saw as sludge back then now i realized my definition of sludge back then was kind of not really on par with everyone else's so i kind of like more so nowadays kind of almost call it like heavy rock which kind of is a weird term too because like you know you say someone's rock and they're like oh yeah like alice in chains yeah <laughs> but, right yeah, yeah you know totally. obviously harry milk is is not that no, not at all. You know, one thing that I noticed, like, when listening to the, to the album is, like, it's got, like, a lot of weird editing. Like, it seems like they just didn't bother to, like, they just, like, they hit record and, like, they didn't bother to, like, edit, like, plugging their instruments in or, like, yelling at each other, it seemed, <laughs> or, you know, just random, yeah. like, a random drum fill that just didn't belong at the beginning of a song. Oh, or, I, that's, you that's know, a great it, drum fill. It was fill. awesome because it, it added to that whole unhinged feeling that the album like gave off like i couldn't find the lyrics anywhere online so i don't really know what they were but like it just comes off as like this is an album about a dude just losing his mind post breakup or something yeah so yeah definitely the production on it isn't like the most pristine or anything there's a lot of like really sudden 
cuts and whatever. I really like that drum fill at the start of Plastic Eggs. Yeah. Drum fill is just yeah. super heavy before it goes into, honestly, like, I feel like Pinocchio's example, which is the first song on it, and then Brown Water, like, they kind of, like, set the tone a little bit. But then once you get the Plastic Eggs, that's when it, like, really, like, becomes, like, ultra bummer. Like, it's just, like, torturous. And then it just, like, kind of keeps going after that. And it just, yeah. you got these, like, repetitive ass dirges going on and eventually you get almost get to a point where it's like you're numb and that's like all quieter and then it just hits again eventually and totally it's such a crazy album it's the the has the saddest rendition of the lord's prayer ever like, oh, i love that it's, it's just insane. out of out of tune piano just like obviously vocals done like after he recorded all of his screamy vocals yeah complete hoarse voice it's awesome. It's a lot of people that I've talked to about Harvey Milk. I know a lot of times the thing they get really like hung up about is uh, his voice just because it's so like gnarly and like it's not a good singing voice or anything, but it's no, the, but it's, it's so it's good perfect for this. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. It's, it's like it's this is great. Like, I love it. Honestly, I've been thinking about this lately, too, just because I've been recording vocals a whole bunch lately. But my voice would be way better had I not driven around the countryside and just screamed to this album like a whole bunch when I was like, you know, 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 or 22 or 23 or 24 or 25. <laughs> right, right. Definitely, like, there's no real lyrics abound. Back when MySpace was a thing, um, Creston, the guy that plays uh, guitar and does vocals, on his, like, MySpace page, he'd every once in a while post some lyrics up of stuff so i like i kind of vaguely remember some random bits here and there i got the album right over there there's no lyrics and like the the rest of the packaging is like super like bare which is honestly pretty perfect for this too just because it's definitely a let's have this depressing sound speak for itself i mean if you told me that this album is like the studio outtakes of a band whose front man is having like a complete total mental breakdown and that like he just threw it all together and was like put this out i would believe you like it's it's just the whole thing just like i said <laughs> it com comes off completely unhinged it completely like at any moment it felt like the album was just gonna stop in the middle of a song and that was it like he was done yeah it's interesting because um so there's like a lot of interviews with the various members of harvey milk and like there's a trillion reasons why i love harvey milk if you read one of their interviews, they definitely just like talk shit about themselves constantly. There's one article where they just critique their entire discography. It's essentially just like them like talking about how every album of theirs is awful. <laughs> and for courtesy, like this album's trash. There's only four actual songs on there. Blah blah blah. We refuse to play any of these songs live. <laughs> That's wild. So they don't play it live? That's kind of crazy to me like i think they played a few songs off it once they got back together because they put out three albums before they broke up in like the mid to late 90s they had no buzz the entirety of that run it was only because like a very very small amount of people specifically that um dude that does chunklet henry owings okay he just kept talking up specifically courtesy and like by like the early to mid 2000s like they got a little bit of buzz then and then they got back together but uh when they got back i know at first they played like a song or two from the album but of course they made a couple albums since they got back together so definitely neither of the times i saw them they played anything off of that album that's so wild to me just a few other notes i have i'm keep it brief because honestly i could talk about 
Harvey Milk and the millions of reasons why I love Harvey Milk. But just a few more additional thoughts. While I don't understand all the the lyrics and everything that's going on in it, there's definitely like some sort of loose like Pinocchio theme going on here. And I think it might be some sort of like metaphor or something for living or what exactly because like the first song is called pinocchio's example and then i know at the end of the album like the last line is something like my wooden son somewhere or another i'd have to like actually listen to it and i could tell you what the words are i do know a little bit of lyrics of brown water too which that one is definitely kind of depressing because it's definitely like this is where i live don't make fun of it this is just what i have (laughs) jesus Two other quick things. Something that I'm really big with when I'm writing my stuff is like musical themes and whatever that kind of flow in and out of tracks. Maybe most people might not notice it, but like I know with this album, there's a little bit of that. The end of that first song has this clean guitar part and then eventually comes back in that last song. So they kind of all play into each other and like bookend the whole album is like a piece. Right. So overall, obviously this is my favorite album. I mean, if anyone knows anything about most of the music I make, it probably makes sense just because uh, I try to make really bummer ass sounding stuff. And this is kind of like maybe the most bummer thing ever, uh, this album. So uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, it absolutely gave me a, an insight into you that like I think I might have had in a different way. But yeah. now I had a different perspective to it. And it, I mean, like I said, like I would have never given this album a chance based off like my presumption that it was just like a some stoner metal band. Yeah. But, like, I love this record. Like, I absolutely would, would – I listened to it a number of times, and, and I would definitely – you know, it would not be in the sell pile for me uh, if I was cleaning out my records. It would definitely be in the keep. If anyone that listens to this checks it out and they just don't get it, I didn't get it at first. I got the album they made after they came back, and I was able to grasp – what they did then and then i came back to it and then pretty much my brain melted then and i was just like fuck (laughs) also great leonard cohen cover you could tell like it's just like this is like verge of breakdown cover right so good there's also a little kiss cover in there slightly (sighs) in one of the songs yeah just at the very start before it gets like gut-wrenching and heavy and shit yeah, that's the stuff I would have missed because I I don't I don't know anything about Kiss. Yeah, uh, I actually like it. Took me a bit to realize that it was a start of a Kiss song too, and I was like, oh shit, this is a Kiss song. Amazing, they're insane. That's uh, that album. It's awesome, and yeah, let's move on before I ramble more about Harvey Milk. Okay, my second and final album for the night, uh, since it just kind of kept going noise normal, noise normal, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you gave me Turtercomers. Avec la soulaire, nos entrons à regne de la terreur. I don't think I'd pronounce that right, but in English, that would be with defilement, we enter the reign of terror. Yeah, I wrote out phonetically how to say it, and I definitely know that I'm still going to butcher it. I do not speak French, but yeah, I have avec la soulaire, une Antoine à regne de la terreur. <laughs> Amazing! I'm yeah. gonna cut my part out where I botched it and offended <laughs> the entire nation of France. And uh, I'm sure mine sounds like there. utter shit. So yeah, so you gave me this, and uh, this was an album that I had already been aware of, primarily because Turtle Commer is from Milwaukee, and I'd encountered him a few times. He's always very nice. Uh, never got to see him play live, which is a bummer. But I, I believe he's only played like once or twice. Yeah, is that correct? He um. First, by the way, it's torture commerce. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's just spelled the way... The no-vowels approach. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's only played once. He played at Heavy Focus in Minneapolis one year. I have video of that set. Um, It's the only time that he's ever played live. He refuses to play live again, even though I've bothered him a couple of times. And I understand why he doesn't want to play live. Actually, there's a good story I'm stealing from uh, Andy Zuba here. Uh, Torturecomer and Andy were talking. They were at Maryland Death Fest, and I think they were watching Gnother uh, Tongues or you know some sort of like black noise thing or something like that. And they both said like that set was like just super awful. And guy just kind of turns to Andy and just said, "This is why I don't want to play live again because I don't want this." <laughs> Damn. And I know like the only time he played, I know it was stressful for him. Like he practiced a shit ton. He actually had Dave Bailey from Gas Chamber and Cages help him out with the set. But uh, yeah, I know he was super stressed out, and I know he wasn't too into how it came out live. It was still a sick set. I'm pumped that I at least got to see it once. Also, a side note on it, uh, the body actually did a full tour just so they could see him play live. That's awesome. And I know they said that was our worst tour, but it was worth it because I got to see Torture Comer live. That's incredible. The first thing off this album that I thought, like my first thoughts listening to it was, I want to see it live because I want to see how he does it, which is a lot of times what I think of when I listen to anything that's, noise that has any any sense of structure or composition that's not just straight wall or you know something like that yeah um because it just sounds insane like it sounds it sounds fucking insane and i was shocked to find that like uh there's like 15 tracks quote unquote you know like because so many of them don't really like there's no real like separation in the tracks um yeah you know, and I don't really, you know, until until the bloody minded cover hits, I don't really like. Uh, I, <laughs> that's the only thing I can I can, I can be like. Isn't oh, wait it a so second. obvious which one is the bloody minded cover? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it was like, oh yeah, this is the bloody minded cover. It's the one track that one second in, it just goes, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that's bloody minded. <laughs> I just love that. And you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna hold the, one note for a while. The good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's interesting on the, like when you look at the album art and whatever, where they have the tracks listed. So mm-hmm. it's not like one, two, three, four, five. There's like capital letters and lowercase letters. And I think like the capital letters are like the more actual songs and the lowercase ones are more like the kind of interludes and whatever. Mm, so it's kind of okay. weird to keep track of stuff. I still don't know entirely which track is which. Um, right. Definitely. I follow the same. I know which one the bloody minded song is, but that's it. <laughs> right, right. I guess it doesn't really matter in, in a sense because, like, you know, it, it it's meant. It feels like it's meant to be listened to as a whole. You know, it doesn't. You know, oh, it's yeah. not like I'm going to be like, well, I want to listen to uh, Skinner track alone. You know, like, what? Why the fuck would I do that? I'll oh no, it's the whole thing. It's definitely uh, you listen to all of this right now. Yeah, it's definitely like something you sit down and you absorb as opposed yeah. to I'm going to turn on this like just this random track. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I like this record a lot. You know, I don't like a lot of black metal stuff just because I think the fucking culture around it is so cringy and like goofy. Oh, yeah. It's completely uh, understandable. It's yeah. But this doesn't like this has no like air of that. You know, like I would I wouldn't listen to this and be like, oh, God, I can like feel the cringiness from where I'm where I'm standing 
you know, it gives off a, a kind of unique air all, all to its own. So, oh, yeah, definitely. This album, um, it actually took him a long ass time to record. I can imagine. I want to say the album notes said uh, 2010 to 2014, he recorded it. Um, Jesus. I mean, I don't know what that's like recording an album for a very long period of time, but that seems like a long time. Um, yeah, he took a long time to do that. And then when it came to the art, I know he took even more time to do that because I would constantly, anytime I see him, he's like, so how's the progress going on the album? Is it, are you almost done? He's like, oh, not quite. And then once he was done with it, he's like, now I get to work on the art. And I know he like, he laid out all the art on by hand and everything. And he, there's like a booklet that comes in there and it's beautifully laid out. Like it's really well done. You could tell he like spent time. It also comes with like a card that has like a blood stamp wolf. It was like the wolf on the cover of the record. Oh yeah. 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 yeah everything about this is beautifully laid out and like all the sounds on there are just like real nice and crisp. Yeah. It's, I mean like it sounds the quality of this record is, is what makes it feels almost like it's not a noise record because of the quality of the, the recording. So all the rhythms on there and whatever are all like fucked up records and like recordings and shit like that. Every time I listen to it, if I'm listening to it on my turntable, there's always one part on the first side, like pretty early in where there's definitely like a, it's like a rhythm, but it sounds like it's just like one of the grooves was messed up. So it's just looping. Mm -hmm. So like, I just get stressed out every time I get to that point. Cause I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck it's, it's fucked. <laughs> And, like, I'll look at the record, and it looks like the sample is, like, the same length as, like, the rotation. So it looks, like, convincingly just skipping. But if you right. wait if you right. wait a little bit, it changes to something else, and you're like, oh, that's just part of it. All those rhythms are pretty crazy, just those weird scratch record skips and those weird little rhythms you get at the end of a record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like, I would just have loved to have watched this come together, like, how, however he, you know, the process is for him. Yeah, for sure. I um, wonder if he's, I don't know if he's working on anything new. I, I've been on a loop of things, so I don't know if he's been up to anything mm. lately or not. But that'd be great if he did something else because it's just such a good album. Yeah. Just so it's kind of in its own zone. And I like that kind of stuff. And there's definitely some variants. You know, obviously there's like your more harsh noise things. There's your bloody minded cover. Yeah. A track or two before that one where it's like that sweet kind of like black and post-punk track. Mm -hmm. Love that mm -hmm. track. I think I figured out which song it is on the track list, but I'm not entirely sure yet. Also, the the way that it counts in the rhythm track start of the second site. Yeah. That's so good. Just It sounds obviously better than that, but yeah, I think one of the first couple tracks on that first side was the one that got uploaded and I listen to that and it, it just has like a sick ripping and like high-pitched feedback loop type thing oh that loop is so good it's so perfect sounding and wish i could do that so yeah all in all great record definitely in the keep pile not in the sell pile uh oh yeah as it were so uh i, I think this leads us to our grand finale the doobie brothers <laughs> minute bomb, minute bomb, minute bomb, minute <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I have some very fond memories of this album as a child uh, with my grandmother in her car. I was listening back to the first part of our conversation, and when did it happen when you were running around the mall trying to figure out what song What a Fool Believes was? 
Um, I would have been like 15. So, uh, around 2000, you know, like 15, 16, around the year 2000. I don't know why, and this would make no sense, but I just had this funny picture of you as like 25 and like (laughs) just crazily running up to people. It's like, what is this? What is this song? I must know. (laughs) I was was definitely like, I was definitely just a teenager. It was before like. That would that I makes th- I sense. I think I had a I think I had a pager. I don't even think we had cell phones. Oh yet. hell yeah! So like there, you know, there was no like way to really like uh, look up. You know, like yeah, like look something up just like really quick. You know, um, which like I miss I miss that a lot. You know, Same. I miss the 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 hunt, if you will, um, Same. for music. But but yes, when I was a kid, this this tape was in my grandmother's car, uh, and she she loved it, and it's fascinating because i'm pretty sure that she would not know what a doobie was so <laughs> yeah this album such a such a classic so many jams on there oh it's just non-stop jams man over the past year year and a half i've been going to all the libraries in milwaukee here and getting music i got this album from the library because obviously what a fool believes is on there so i got it and i listened to it and you know awesome album but like the thing that threw me off at first about this album when i listened to it there's like no low end on this album at all. It's mixed <laughs> it's so <really> not. <laughs> it's mixed so weird. Like I was I put it on my car, I'm just like, are my speakers fine? Like there's like no bass or anything. <laughs> it's mixed really strange just because there's no low end. But I mean I'm used to it now. But is there even bass on this album? Is there a bass drum? Is it like <laughs> were did the guitars have any low end on them? Is it just like the most just only mid-range and treble? I think that it's so smooth and so, uh, it's just so, so smooth, smooth that, like, you're supposed to add your own bass, you know? <laughs> they just got really deep in the bay in their yacht. Yeah, I was going to say, the bass, the bass comes from the rumbling of your boat as you're setting <laughs> sail. <laughs> Amazing. This album, it's kind of interesting, like, just thinking about the Dewey Brothers, because I know, like, growing up, you know, when I would think about the Dewey Brothers, I would think about, like, china grove or something like that because doobie brothers definitely another band that has like two sides because there's earlier on where they're just like rocking and shit and then you know after uh skunk and michael mcdonald abandoned steely dan they just became real (laughs) fucking smooth yeah yeah totally i'm sure people back then probably either preferred one or the other if you're like my dad you like both for some reason what a strange thing for a band to do just like we're just gonna rock out into Mongo. i super didn't do the actual lyrics there sorry yeah even even though i know the lyrics um (laughs) also interesting thing about this album so it was produced by ted templeman and recorded uh, i think the engineer is don landy most famously they're responsible for all of van halen's recordings so that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like I would put what a fool believes up there with jump any day. Yeah. The same person that recorded this album recorded eruption, <laughs> which is That's amazing. Incredible. They pretty much recorded every album of both bands, more or less. Do you think they like they oscillated between the two? Like <laughs> they would like they would like get stuck recorded Van Halen. It's just like a total insane intense coke party vibe and like then like they would be like fuck we gotta we gotta slow it down we're, we're gonna record doobie brothers so it's it's like they record with doobie brothers it's slowed down again like it's chill 
I mean, it's just different amounts and uh, qualities of the cocaine that they're doing. That's probably the difference, really. Um, yeah, that's actually an excellent, yeah. point. Other, excellent point. Other interesting thing, that tandem also recorded a Captain Beefheart album, which wow. makes even These less sense. These must be completely unhinged. <laughs> like, they must be completely fucked in the head. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, you just recorded this Beefheart album? All right. Now we're going to record China Grove. All right. <laughs> Did you know that uh, skunk work like consults on weapons and shit now? No. Oh, we got a great conversation to have. I think uh, Minute by Minute might have been either the second to the last or last album that he played guitar on. And then after that, he like, I don't know how the hell he like got into it, but he eventually like became like a consultant for like the government on like fucking weapons and shit. It's really fucking weird. Wow. Yeah, like damn, I just I just pulled up a picture of of homeboy in his current state and he looks as fucking smooth as he did back then. Yeah, he still looks I gotta, whatever he's on, I got to get on. Man. Oh yeah, he's still the same. He still looks like pretty much the same. But yeah, it's a uh, Oh man. Andy Zuba, if you <laughs> if you're listening to this, fucking homeboy kind of looks like uh kind of looks like Bobby. Yeah, he kind of looks like Bobby. <laughs> a little That's bit. That's kind of fucking like, me up. It's, like, I think it's more so like the the stash and long hair. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't but know. also just the just the swag. <laughs> I can't believe this. Like, yeah, he's like a defense consultant. Yeah. Jesus. He's on the advisory committee for NASA exploration systems. Like that's like wrap your mind around that. Like the guy who's just fucking wailing all over all these tracks on the guitar, just hot licks everywhere. He might be partially responsible for putting a man on Mars. Yeah. It's... That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I like I didn't know if you knew that, but I was specifically waiting for us to record to tell you this just cuz I feel like this is the content we all strive for. Dude, just that's like seriously like Jeff Baxter, guitarist, missile consultant. Damn. Like, <laughs> I just like you know, like it's you know, I know like there's lots of like vegan straight edge people that like find their way into like different parts of the world and it's like, oh, we're everywhere, but like Jeff Skunk Baxter is like the guy. For for missile defense, yeah. Here's a here's a quote for him. We thought turntables were for playing records until rappers began to use them as instruments, and we thought airplanes were for carrying passengers until terrorists realized they could be used as missiles. Jesus, whoa, dude, this is uh, Jeff Baxter might need to get into a power electronics group ASAP. <laughs> the smoothest noise about the military, <laughs> yeah. How, God damn, dude! dude his you... his speaking fee range is ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars. You're you're going even like, deeper research than I did. <laughs> like like you can hire this dude to speak for like ten to twenty G's. If I ever get rich, I'm gonna hire this dude to talk, and I'm gonna be like, I'm not here to talk missiles, my guy. I just want to talk about minute by minute. What do you think yacht noise would consist of? Me primarily is the definition of yacht noise is just wearing a hawaiian shirt yeah yeah pretty much me shay uh gray 
like anyone that's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, like anyone who's who's having an adult beverage, or in my case, a non-alcoholic adult beverage. You know, just just lots of coconuts and pineapples. Hey guys, uh, show tonight on my boat. Be there. Uh, we got to do it at eight though. Um, so get there on time. We're gonna go to get, the middle of the bay. You get into those international waters, and nobody can give you a noise violation. None of those boat cops are gonna get after us. Fuck them. <laughs> There's no fucking sound ordinances in the middle of the ocean, my guy. <laughs> this fucking dolphin's just here for the the psych noise set, man. Crusty pirates like hitching their dinghies to the side, still trying to get in for free. <laughs> Pretty much, man. <laughs> I'm sorry to derail the conversation, but I felt there was important information needed to be said. That's and critical information, like life-changing information. I think everyone like, listening to this right now needed to know that, and especially you. I'm going to be talking to people about this for like the rest of the weekend. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to like the, the dog rescue tomorrow and just like just randomly chat up like the 60 year old guy that works there and be like, be like, dude, wait till you hear this shit. Like, I'm going to tell my dad this, like. I'm going to tell my dad this. I'm going to tell my grandma this the next time I call her. What if, hopefully none of them are just like, yeah, you didn't know that. Holding out serious information. Yeah. Anyways, more on this actual album than us talking about <laughs> uh, missiles and uh, noise sets in the middle of the ocean. Great album. <laughs> um, you know, outside of like the, you know, the lack of low end, which still kind of confused me. Like there's a lot of really awesome songs on here. Obviously. What a Fool Believe, such a classic song. The classic. Uh, minute by Minute, another jam, the title track. Hell yeah. I really like the sweet guitar pick part and like Don't Stop to Watch the Wheels. That's got like a cool swing. I don't want to say a swing, but there's something to it that just, I just want to like swing my arms a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, 100%. I want your opinion. How do you like the, uh, so Streamer Lane Breakdown the random track on the album that's just a hoedown. Like, they're just like, we're going country for this song. It's so awesome. You know, it's just like the song that they, like, they wrote while, like, cruising down the highway in their tour bus, just snorting piles of cocaine. I was wondering, like, just because I know that, like, uh, a little while after this album, like, Skunk left, I was like, I wonder if this song was just, like, uh, he brought this and just kind of made its way on the album, since the rest of this album was, like, pretty smooth and whatever, and then just out of nowhere, like, near the end of the album, you just have this, like, random country song, Yeah, which also, yeah. I think it's Michael McDonald singing this song, uh, kind of out of place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little. Like, he's he's definitely not a country musician. Yeah. Also, the song after that, You Never Change, there's this little, like, descending riff. I was, I was listening to it again yesterday, and it's kind of like recorded or kind of interesting. The part's kind of like, and it's clean, but they clearly added something only behind. Like, it's either just the last note of that riff or something that gives it like a heaviness to it. It's hard to describe, but it, I really like that riff. Dude, I'm, I've, I made the mistake of opening up this album's Discogs page. There's not, like, there's not, like, I was thinking, like, oh, there's probably, like, a really pristine copy, like, for hundreds of dollars. Nah. And there's not, there's not really any of that available. But someone in Spain is selling one with an original photograph hand-signed by Michael McDonald. <laughs> that might be, it might be making a little, it's like 85 bucks. I mean, what's the price of happiness? When you, when you subscribe to the Harsh Truce Patreon, oh, you will be paying for a signed photo of Michael McDonald. I, 
It's like, I will, I will not be using the money for microphones. I will, however, be buying my ass a, well, there's also for 40 bucks, you can get a reel to reel of the, of the album. Damn. There's, there's definitely at least one person listening right now. There's like, fuck. Dude, I'll buy that and just give it to Dillaway and be like, man, can you just fuck my whole life up right now, please? Oh, man. Dillaway remixing minute by minute. Shit. That would be amazing. I'll just, I'll give like him and, and Justin a crack at it and just be like, here you go, guys. Loop it up. Go wild. I, I want to see Dillaway just make something out of the real. Maybe like just make like a tape loop of like, when he's saying like the E and what a fool believes, so it's just <laughs> and it's just that just, forever. Just sounds like a like a steam train going <laughs> off or something. A steam train. It, it would fuck. See, I, so now I'm looking and I'm seeing that like Kenny Loggins helped write what a fool believes. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I didn't know that. So okay, so obviously what a fool believes one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah. If you take that song out of the album, what's your next favorite song? Um, shit. Um, well, it's definitely not Streamer Lane Breakdown. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good for what it is, but it has no place on that album. Damn, that's a really hard one. You Never Change has that sick little was, riff. Yeah, and, I, was, I was about to say You Never Change is the one that I would have gone with yeah. right away. Uh, yeah, I was like, eh, that or like Minute by Minute is solid. The first track's pretty solid. Don't yeah, Stop yeah. to Watch the Wheels is pretty solid. Yeah, probably. I guess probably You Never Change. Yeah, I think You you Never Change is my second favorite song, but honestly, the A-side of the entire album is just a perfect A-side. Oh, yeah, no, that, that A-side is really well done. All right, so final thoughts here on this on this album. So smooth. It's the smoothest of all time, <laughs> in my opinion. And like if you don't get down with this album, like honestly, I don't know if I can fuck with you. Like that's that's kind of how I feel. Like I've taken to like using this album or at least what a fool believes as kind of like a litmus test. Like if you're in a car with me, I put this on, and if your reaction is negative, like I'm getting out of that car. Yeah. Finding another car to go to. Yeah, I definitely just because of like my dad uh, playing music when I was growing up and whatever, like it was pretty much just all classic rock and then like yacht rock for whatever reason. That was his jams. So like, I mean, anybody that's been at your house and has seen your the basement bar knows exactly why he would be into this. Oh, yeah. He's the most dad person ever, but he's smooth sailing, man. He is in his boat. He needs a yacht. He needs to fulfill the prophecy. He doesn't have the money for a yacht. Oh shit, yo, Heart Street's Patreon. If you're if you give <laughs> and you give, if we get up to a million bucks, I'm buying Jay's dad a motherfucking yacht. He would just be like, "Why? <laughs> this is I'd unnecessary. Like, I need to mow my lawn." I'd be like, "Sir, I'm gonna need you to pilot the ship here every once in a while." It'll be beautiful. Well, thank you so much for like sitting in and being my first guest on these. Uh, hopefully, what will be a series of extra podcasts that I do. Um. I think this one might be on the regular feed in conjunction with the launch of the Patreon. We'll see how that goes. Um, the good thing about these are they are timeless. I mean, is it a week after we talked for the first time in February or is it June, May, July? <laughs> is it 2020, 2019? Who knows? But now you guys have uh, all heard us chat up. Uh, it's fucking August of 2022. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you'll never guess who's president. You'll never guess the number one wrestling company in the country. And uh, you'll never guess where Roman is. Probably dead or in jail. Uh, you also will never know what, where I'm at. So Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad we were able to do this. It's, I, I like this, this idea of like exposing ourselves to stuff that we might not have heard or at least... You know, I never would have, I guess I probably would have guessed that Harvey Milk was one of your favorite bands, but I never would have given that record a chance. And I'm, I'm super stoked that I did because I've, I've definitely found an album that I would uh, revisit. Yeah, it's a definite listen to it every once in a while because you'll get in the bummer zone for sure. It's sick. 